for you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair with the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're attempting to casually molly with Molly and Boogie. Welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. For those of you who are loyal, casual listeners, I'm your host, Molly Ambergie. And if you haven't listened, welcome. We're happy to have you listening in your ears or watching us on YouTube. Thank you for casually subscribing. Uh, but enough about us. We interview comedians, entertainers, musicians, uh, just anybody with an artistic influence. But I'm very excited to um, welcome, I say offer to everybody here, but to welcome our next guest. He's very funny. Give it up for comedian Don Jameson, everyone. <laughs> At Don Jameson official, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Don, how are you today? <laughs> I'm single. You can offer me to your crowd. All right, done. Absolutely. You know his handle. Slide in those DMs. Casually sign in. I like it. Oh there my gosh. Go. Thank you so much for joining us. What? How's your day been? Oh man, it's really freezing cold here in Jersey. We had, you know, because we have we have fake first spring. Then we have second winter and then we'll have real first spring and then you know you know it's it's all over the place and i live down by the beach so when it gets cold down here it gets brutal oh my gosh oh my you know when you hear beach obviously people are all the time are just like oh my gosh the sun everything so i'm sure it's beautiful in the summer but um i was telling who we talked about earlier uh your friend jim florentine who happened to be on this podcast comedian check out his youtube special as well um I was telling him my mom is from Queens, New York, and so definitely in the Northeast, everything gets a little bit colder probably than maybe we would like, but you're surviving, you're here, and we're happy to have you. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my nice, I'm in my nice cozy place, and I'm talking to you, and uh, we're, we're, being, we're doing it casually. Oh, I like it. Yes, we're doing, um, you're already in theme. This is going to be a great interview. I can't wait. Um, I, I'm very happy to have you uh, just because I did listen Thanks. to some of your comedy. It's very good. You're very funny. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about denim and laughter for those who maybe aren't aware of it? Wow, right in with the plugs. I like you, Molly. Okay. Let's, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm so old school that I put, the, I put it out on vinyl. This That's album. amazing! Oh my god, that um, looks great. Yeah, I, I just figured I gotta, I gotta, you know, I still collect vinyl, so I was like, I just want to put one of my comedy albums out on vinyl. I don't care if I only sell three of them and I have five hundred in my house. I just, just so I can say, I put out an album on vinyl. But of course, it's available, you know, on digital downloads, which is where most people get it um and uh, and and physical on cd uh you know jim florentine and myself are both signed to a heavy metal label Ooh. called metal blade records mm -hmm. and um it's so yeah you know that's we, we love the bands on metal blade and um they've both they, that, that label's you know given us the opportunity to put our comedy albums out on that label that's had so many great bands like they're the first ones that have metallica you know yeah. slayer and and they've been around 40 years so you know they were real supportive of like the physical product you know and they get the vinyl thing so you know but if, if you go to you know if you go to apple music or wherever you know you could i always try to make the the track um names at least funny because i know people just cherry pick them you know, so I go, if I can make the track names funny, 
then you know then people will be more likely to download them so um yeah it's my newest album and uh it's pretty good I love, well, first of all, I didn't realize it was on vinyl. I did listen to it on Spotify, but I do have a record player, so I'd be more than happy to buy a vinyl version of it. So I'll be the fourth customer. It'll be great. Uh, the other thing <laughs> I wanted to ask is that um, now you do comedy, obviously, but did the metal, the interest in heavy metal come first or the comedy? How did we kind of combine both of these worlds together? Yeah, wow. Uh, very early on in life, you know, I my first two albums were Kiss Destroyer and George Carlin Occupation Fool. Mm -hmm. So to me, those worlds always fit together because, like, if you if you look at the cover of Kiss Destroyer, I mean, they, these you're when you're 11, man, this that's the coolest stuff. I don't know what we're allowed to curse, but it's the coolest. You are. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's the coolest shit ever. Cause you're 11 and they're, there's rock stars and there's superheroes and the comic book characters. And you put the record on, I didn't even care what it sounded like. It was just so cool. Um, and of course my parents hated it. So that made me like it even more. Right. Of course. Yes. And, and then the same with, with comedy. And, you know, here I'm 11 years old, listening to George Carlin and, and I could, you know, I had to put like the little earphone in on my, my, my tape, Radio Shack tape player and put it, you know, make sure that it was late at night when my parents were asleep. So to me, it was like both these worlds were kind of subversive and against what my parents would want. So that those worlds always mixed for me. Oh, I love it. I, I can relate because I was telling you earlier before we started recording, my brother was very much into heavy metal. So he probably knows the exact album cover that you're talking about. And then I did comedy. So we were definitely, not the disappointments, but we definitely went in a different track than <laughs> probably that my mom maybe wanted us to. And then my sister was in the middle. She became a pharmacist. So it's, uh, you know, we, we, we balanced it out. So I can completely understand. Um, I also looked at your website. You've got a lot of stuff I'll hit, but I loved the video you posted uh, about the joke about she's only 17. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why that song is so funny in the joke? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for the people who, who know the band Winger, you know, who are still around, by the way, you know, 35 years and, and they still have a career, although Beavis and Butthead took them out to, down a few pegs. Um, <laughs> That's where probably a lot of people would remember Winger from because that, you know, the, the nerdy kid Stuart always wore the Winger shirt and they picked on Stuart. And it did, really did mess up their career. But, you know, it, back in the heyday of, the, of MTV, they had a huge hit song called She's Only 17. And their singer, Kip Winger, is this great looking guy. And, you know, all the girls loved him and stuff. And, you know, that was the song. But nowadays, you know, it's like people are so sensitive about, you know, everything. And it's, you know, and I say, you know, I, I, I love the band Winger. If you got to have a hit song about being a pedophile, that's a crazy band right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Kip Winger was the original R. Kelly. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Oh, that's the punchline. I was like, I know there's something coming. I know. She's, but it was so good. I. That's what I, you know, and Jim too. It's like, you guys just have these great punchlines. And it just makes me laugh so much. Um, and then speaking of recording this album, correct me if I'm wrong. Was this the album that was recorded in a speakeasy in a secret location? Okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you made a secret show? I'm so intrigued now. Right. As if com as if doing comedy just in general isn't, you know, a tough enough thing to do, you know, and, and then, you know, the pressure of recording an album. Let's put it in an illegal club in Los Angeles 
and throw in the danger of possibly be, being raided by the police during the taping. And <laughs> although I thought that would have been a good ending to the album is just, you know, getting carried out by the LAPD, you know? So oh my God. Um, I just, I like doing my comedy albums in, in different places, you know, or even the comedy clubs have done them in. They're very specific and weird in their own way. Um, but I just thought, man, what a cool idea to do. You know, I, you know, the stuff I do, you know, sometimes I walk on the edge and, you know, so I wanted to record in a place that, yeah, that sort of has an edgy feel to it, vibe to it. And it, it just worked out great. And it literally was an Ill illegal club that we did it in. And, um, and I was so happy with the way it came out. I was about to say, I was like, how did you like, I mean, I guess this might be a secret and you probably can't share it on this podcast, but how do you get people to an undisclosed location like that? Like, what was the marketing like, if you know anything about that, maybe? Yeah, well, no, it's just a, you know, you make a Facebook event and you just let everybody know, you know, it's gonna, we're going to be in North Hollywood on this day, you know, taping two shows and the morning of, we'll let you know where it is. That way, you know, they, oh. they can't you know, put the address out there for everybody. And then, yeah, we get shut down. So oh, it was so cool. Smart. It was a cool event. You know, it was maybe like we did it in front of like 50 people, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have 3000 people for your comedy album. You know, it was just a perfect setup. And the whole vibe was the speakeasy vibe, you know, the, the velvet curtains on the walls and, you know, there was no windows and, you know, they had a full bar there and all that stuff. And, you know, it was perfectly wired for sound. And, um, you know, there's video of it up on my, on my YouTube channel that people could check out, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a really cool event. Oh, I love that. And I, there's something about like an intimate setting like that, that even makes it more fun. Cause you're, you're recording your jokes and you know, you're set, but you know, live comedy connecting with the audience like that and having them like that close to you was always the coolest. Um, the other thing I'll mention too, I know this is your, uh, your latest album. Were there other albums that maybe came before and what was maybe the difference between those and now? Um, I think, well, I think I'm a little better as, as a comic. I'm, well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not worse. Okay. So. That's a plus. <laughs> That's um, a win for me. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I, I think of myself as like the ACDC of, of comedians. Like I kind of play the same three notes, but I can play them in so many different ways, you know? So it's, this album's just, you know, three more, three notes, but in a more current setting, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, this album definitely... Tenement Laughter is definitely, the theme is definitely much more about politically correct society and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, as opposed to the others had different kind of themes. But like I said, I did them, all, did them in all, like one of my albums I did in the comedy club down here at the shore where I live. Um, and it's a BYOB club, which, you know, it, okay. you never see, you know, most clubs make their money on all the booze. But, um, you know, at this club, people like wheel in giant coffin sized coolers of beer and vodka and all this stuff, right? And, like, you know, I wanted to capture that spirit on the album. You know, I always want to get the atmosphere of where I'm at. And there was a point in the taping where this woman had just one of those big giant wine jugs on the table. And her and her husband like finished the whole thing off. And she went to laugh and she knocked it off the table and it clanged across the floor. <laughs> And my editor's like, oh, don't worry, I could take that out. I go, don't you dare take that out. I want all that, that Jersey, bring your own 
at the beach, everybody's drunk and tan in the room and having a great time. And so, you know, you got to leave all that atmosphere in. Otherwise, I could be filming it anywhere, you know? Oh, my God. I love that. And that's the thing, you know, like I yeah, I th told you this when we were talking earlier, I was in theater. So having like those live moments like that almost makes makes the performance even more entertainable. You're like, oh, you know, it's like me and this wine shook that just broke. But that's the enthusiasm that you want. And, you know, speaking of Jersey, as you're talking about, I, I always ask comedians this, you know, I have obviously from my family on my mom's side, I have a, uh, like a bias to the Northeast, but why did you decide to stay in the Northeast versus like doing LA or Chicago or even now apparently Texas? Like why be on the Northeast uh, coast area? Um, you know, I, I guess LA didn't want me, but you know, oh. I, I, I <laughs> I, you know, I, no, I, I really always wanted to make my career here on the East Coast because my family's all here. Um, you know, I, when I came up in comedy, I, I was very lucky that the Jersey comics that I came up with were all supportive dudes. You know, it was, you know, like Jim Florentine and Rich Voss and Jim Norton and Bob Levy and all these great comics who are all still around and all are still, you know, in the Jersey, New York area. And like, we all supported each other. We all helped each other's careers. You know, like there wasn't that, that, that click that you sometimes get like in New York city or LA where people kind of just, they stick to their own thing. And they only, we only like these three people and we'll only support these five comics. And if someone gets something, like if we get something, we share it with each other, you know, Hey, I just got in this club. I'll get, you know, let me get a couple on my bed. I'll get you in. So I just, you know, that kind of, you know, you don't get that a lot in, in, in show business, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm barely in show business but on the the low rung that i'm on i'm on um i that kind of you don't you don't never give that up you know when you could get that kind of support from the community you work in yeah oh absolutely and it's it's that's such a nice like amazing answer to hear it like makes me kind of have a little bit more faith in humanity um but speaking <laughs> you know that's a good thing and you're not on the low rung you're doing great um i wanted to ask you to when was the moment, I know we kind of talked about how you combined both worlds with metal and comedy, but when were you like, hey, I want to try stand-up? Like, was there a mic you went to or was you were you just kind of thrown on a show? Or did you, like, I know you mentioned George Carlin earlier, but was there just a time where you were like, I need to start pursuing comedy. This is this is my moment. Let's do this. Yeah, I was, you know, I was telling somebody the story the other day because, yes, when I was younger, I was listening to, to Carlin and Pryor and Cheech and Chong and then, you know, Dice, who's, you know, my comedy hero. But to, the truth is the, the person who really got me to go on stage was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but I, it, it, I went with Jim Florentine. He was already doing comedy at the time. Uh, to this gig and it was in a bar that was connected to a strip club and um, the, the kid who was the MC went up there and he bombed so hard for like 15 minutes like uh, he had oh, no. a perfect zero <laughs> not a sound from the audience you couldn't even hear people breathing it was so bad oh that's and then terrible. I saw him walk off Oh it was it was the, it was the worst and he walked off stage and he went up to the the manager of the club and i'm watching from across the other side of the room and i see the the club owner putting money in his hands and he walked right next door and went to the strip club and i'm like i could be that bad and get paid 
And I've never even tried it before. I could have gone up and done that. I could be, you know, I could be getting paid in singles and, and be next door right now, getting a couch dance. But so that was the first thing that inspired me to do is somebody who sucked. Oh my God, my stomach hurts because that is the best. Like if th that is like, that is the epitome of casually Molly is that we're like, I'm going to casually do this and then walk next door to the strip club. That is the best answer. Normally people give, and I, I don't mean to rip anybody on our podcast, but normally you hear like, oh, I, I got inspired. And I, you know, I always hear all this artsy shit, but that was so raw. It's so real. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. You talked about combining both worlds. Um, I love this quote. Uh, and being a comedian on Metal Blade Records makes the whole package complete. I know you talked a little bit about the bands that are on it and you love the record label, uh, but why do you personally feel like this record label is a great fit for you? Well, I mean, when you have bands like Slayer and Cannibal Corpse mm -hmm. and Six Feet Under, like heavy death metal bands, I'm, you know, feel pretty certain they're not going to censor any of my comedy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're on a heavy metal label. You, you're really going to tell me to, to, to tone it down a little bit. So, um, I, you know, and, and Metal Blade was some a, a label that still to this day shapes, you know, my musical world. Um, so I'm just so honored to have gotten to know and become friends with Brian Slagle, who's the, the head of the label, you know, because that was a labor of his love. You know, he loved hard rock and heavy metal so much. And he used to do, he was, you know, that story, he used to do fanzines. And then he did a compilation tape one time. And then next thing you know, one thing leads to another. And all his worlds collided. So, you know, it's a similar, you know, kind of story in that, you know, I do love this kind of music. I All of my albums, my packaging has to do with rock bands or metal bands. Doesn't mean you have to like hard rock or metal to like my comedy, but if you get the visual thing I'm doing, it's just, a, you know, it's just something a little extra. Um, because again, I'm old school. I like the physical packaging that comes along with uh, music and or comedy. So uh, it's just, a, you know, right fit on every level, it, it, you know, including that I go out and open for bands doing stand-up. So there's that connection too. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is what I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, that is so interesting just because I love that, again, that the worlds are combined. What is it like opening up for a band? Like, was there a favorite moment you had where you were opening up for a band? Is the energy the same or is it different? Are yeah. people I know people that? right now are going, uh, with that with that uh, print on his wall behind his head, he can't be that hardcore into oh, metal, like but uh, yeah. trust me, <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole room can't be, you know, Judas Priest and Black Sabbath uh, <laughs> posters, but um, um, the crowds are, whew, uh, you know, I took, when I first started doing it, I just sort of took like the um, attitude that I did when I first started doing comedy where, you know, you would go at, like, like that gig I described to you where you just, you drive out to, you know, four hours out to the middle of Pennsylvania to some bar somewhere. No one's paying attention. They got the TVs on, the mic barely works. And now you got to go up there and make something happen, you know? So you would have to really come out and, and boom, right, hit people right off the top yeah. and really try to, you know, get people to focus and pay attention. And that's kind of that same way when I do a rock show is like, you know, I got to bring that same energy that I did back in the bar gig days where it's like, 
all right, these people didn't come for comedy, but I'm going to make them want to laugh, you know, <laughs> once I get up there. Um, so, and I've over, now over the years developed a whole support act for the headlining band where it's, I just do, it's only, uh, you know, jokes about bands and musicians and music. So, you know, like if you come see me in a nightclub, you're going to get all the stuff about, you know, my life, relationships, you know, all the stuff we all talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll get some of the rock stuff, depending on, you know, how I could feel the crowd out a little bit, but maybe you'll get five minutes of it. You know, if you come see me open for a band, you're going to get a 30 minute set of, jokes about Winger or Alice Cooper or Black Sabbath or Ozzy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I try to also keep it in that family so that people don't sort of go, wait, why? I don't, what? He got divorced? Who cares? Well, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, I want to see Twisted Sister. I don't care. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. I was it's so interested in seeing that just because I see comedians open for bands all the time. And I always wonder what their thought process is, but you're totally right. Some of the jokes are centered to the different bands that are there. So that makes total sense. Uh, you also talked about being on the road. Was there a, uh, I, are you on tour right now? Are there any shows that you have coming up that you want to share? Um, not, not currently on, on the road with, with a rock tour, but I, you know, I, I will have one, you know, usually in the summer I get on the, the tour bus with a band and go out there. So this summer, you know, I will, okay. so people could just keep their eyes open for that, check my socials and, and stuff. Um, um, but, um, yeah, you know, Florentine and I have a, a show coming up in Nashville, April 8th and 9th. You know, we love to work together. Um, and we're playing this place called Wine Down in Nashville. It's a li just a little wine bar which has a cool little performance space. The, her, the woman who owns it, her husband plays in the monkeys. So they have a little bit of a music connection. They love okay. comedy. And so I played there a bunch of times. It's a really fun place. You know, it's a big, it just ends up being a big party after the show and everyone hangs out. So windownnashville.com. Um, come out and see Jim Florentine and myself April 8th and 9th. And we love Nashville, too, because it is Music City after all. Oh, I love Nashville. I've seen a lot of great shows out there, but that is, I actually saw that on Jim's Instagram. That's really awesome. I didn't realize it was in a wine bar, but that's going to be such a very, very cool setting. Um, I also saw, I'm very interested in seeing this and I didn't have a chance to listen to it. I'll listen to it after this, but uh, terrorizing telemarketers. What was that about? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Yeah, that well, this has been going on for years, you know, uh, again, Jim Florentine and myself um, have been torturing telemarketers uh, for <laughs> six albums now. So, <laughs> and and soon to be a seventh. Uh, we are, we are currently recording number seven together, uh, two men in their Two middle-aged men making prank calls for a living. God bless America. And... Um, you know, it, it's again, it all, you know, it always goes back to the roots. You, it, the, it's the days of, dri again, driving <laughs> to the tip of Connecticut or all the way up into Maine and you're and for 75 bucks and you're in the car and you just want to tell, have funny stories to tell each other. So, you know, we mess around with telemarketers and then tell each other the funny stories in the car. <laughs> and then, you know, after like a year, the light bulb finally goes on. We're like, eh, maybe we should record some of these, you know, and, uh, and we did, and like I said, we've done six six um, volumes of um, of terrorizing telemarketers, and you know that's that's where the the character from Crank Anchors, um, Special Ed, got started on on our CDs. So um, yeah, we've been doing those for a long time, and 
we figured what the heck during the pandemic, let's, let's pump another one out and, and uh, mess with some more telemarketers. They're relentless. They never end. Oh my God. Now I definitely, I just saw the title of it in the flames and I was just like, that's how I feel about telemarketers. So I think that's a really good idea. Like I'm so happy now on my cell phone, it'll have that spam risk and I can try to try to get it out. But I'll, I still like, you know, my parents are older and they still have that landline. So it just, it just makes me think about that. That's amazing. What a really cool concept. Uh, the other thing I'll ask you too is, aren't you, were you a host of a heavy metal show. Uh, why don't you tell us, or are you still the host of the heavy metal show? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Jim Florentine and myself and Eddie Trunk hosted mm -hmm. a show called That Metal Show on VH1 Classic for Thank you. Mm -hmm. 14 seasons. Yes. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so that's the, that's the other big place in my life where music and comedy, rock and comedy, combined again mm -hmm. um, in my world. And, um, you know, that was such a amazing show to do because, you know, obviously Jim and I got to, you know, be, be the, you know, the, the, uh, the smart asses that we are. And, you know, Eddie's a very well-respected radio personality and TV music personality, you know, and he was sort of like, you know, the, the straight man of the bunch. Although he's he's very funny too, but um, but you know basically it was a show where we interviewed all our heavy metal idols from our from our whole life from our childhood up and and amazing to this day that you know most of them are now friends you know which is yeah. usually which is how I end up going out on the road with them and stuff um, they love bringing comedians on the road because. You know, there's no, I'm not another band. You know, I don't. They don't need four more bunks on the bus. They need one. I have no equipment. I just put my dick jokes in my pocket and off I go. You know, there's no drama. You know, there's not four guys with drama on the bus. It's just me. I'm really easy going. So, um, you know, all those friendships have, have have led to so many cool things in my life. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, I have the, I wanted to make sure that I preface it so that way you could talk about it. But um, what was it like meeting these people that you grew up listening to and watching? Like, I mean, I, I know you said you created a friendship, but what was that feeling just knowing like, oh, cool, I get to sit with this person. Like, was there, are these people, you know, was there any anticipation? Were you nervous? Were you just excited? What was going through your mind? Yeah, excited. I mean, I, you know, I've never been like a starstruck person, but, you know, I, I still pinch myself sometimes, you know, to think like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth played on one of my comedy albums. It's like, that's incredible, you know, to, to you know, one day come out of my dressing room and Bill Ward, the drummer from Black Sabbath, is standing in the hallway and he looks at me and he's like, hello, Don, how are you? And I'm like, <laughs> how does Bill Ward even know who I am? Why would I ever be on his radar for any reason? He's he he's one of the four guys who created heavy metal. He, he's a legend. I'm I'm a I'm a goofball from New Jersey. Like, how does he know me? You know. But it turned out, you know, Bill loved the show, and you know, all the rockers embraced the show, and um, you know, we just had so much fun with it. So, um, uh, you know. Uh, always oh was always aware of who they were but you know i never let it get to me because i'm thinking like well if i can't sit and interview alice cooper for 30 minutes then this isn't the right tv show for me 
I love it. That, that is just really cool that I didn't, didn't even understand. I've seen, you know, you guys interview and stuff, but I never, I didn't realize I was like, oh, that totally makes sense that you're like, oh, wow, this is somebody that I, I look up to and admire. Um, was there maybe like, I was about to say, you know, sometimes when you're recording or something, um, did there any, any time, any, something went wrong or you were like, I got to pick up the pieces and make sure everything goes smoothly. Like I was about to say, how do you handle conflict or when something happens maybe during a show or <laughs> on, on film yeah. that maybe wasn't supposed to, do you have a story uh, about I, that? <laughs> we'll leave it to the editors. I didn't you know that. <laughs> You know, the good thing was, we, you know, that we, as much as we were, we were professional, you know, this was not, you know, you, you weren't producing Game of Thrones, you know, this wasn't, you know, it was like, if we mess something up, we usually left it in, you know, because it was real, you know, there, you know, we always, it, like, sometimes we do our pick of the week, and I would always get, you know, I, I collect vinyl, so I always bring a piece of vinyl with me, and sometimes when I held it up, it would be upside down by accident. And then most TV shows would, would go, okay, cut, and we'll do that one again, and we'll turn it to right side up. But after a while, it was just like, who cares? It's funny. It's a real moment. And so we didn't really, you know, do a lot of second takes. And, and most of the guests were, were just super cool. You know, the only guy that was, you know, a little crazy was Marilyn Manson came on, and he was um, – he was enjoying some absinthe at 11 a.m. in the morning, as we all do, you know. Right. That's what I did um, today. What are you talking about? Nothing like <laughs> a little, um, you know, mild uh, drink like absinthe to get the day started. <laughs> and um, he was, uh, yeah, he, I, 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 I distinctly remember a lot of pedophile and uh, AIDS jokes throughout the taping that um, I, I tell you, our editor should have got an Emmy for that show because I don't know how they cut around all that stuff, but um, they did a good job with it and, and made it look f flawless. Oh, they definitely did. That's why I was like, it just looks so effortless for you guys, which is obviously the point. And it looks so fun to watch. Like you guys had great chemistry. So props to you for that. Thank you. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And then uh, one question too. So I know we mentioned a lot of heavy metal bands on this podcast. Is there one specifically that's your favorite or do you just kind of have an Aurora or an, like, you know, a bunch of them that are your top favorites? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, Al, you know, Alice Cooper, you know, to me is he's the, he's one of the greatest showmen of all time. But by the way, I, just saw him. He's still playing. I just saw him again Wednesday night. He's 74 years old and he's still in his prime. I mean, he still puts on this incredible stage show that blows anybody out of the water. I mean, other than Kiss, he has the most theatrical show with different characters coming in and out on stage. And, you know, he, he gets beheaded by a guillotine and he's putting a straight jacket. And I mean, it's there's so much crazy stuff going on during the show. You know, it's like a heavy metal Broadway play in so many ways. Um, but he is always just an amazing storyteller. Um, and just one of the nicest guys, like the Alice on stage is the villain. And then the Alice off stage is a guy that if you don't, he's another one who's like, he, when he sees me, he's like, you know, uh, you know, Don knows everything about me. Ask Don if you want to know anything. And just that even again, that he knows who I am is like 
ridiculous. Um, so, you know, always came to the tapings by himself, no publicists, no handlers, no nothing. You know, like I said, you know, I, he's always gracious enough to invite me to his shows when he plays. And I, you know, I know his family and I know his band and everything. And so, you know, that's um, those kind of things like I do, I, I you know, in the moment, I'm j we're just friends talking casually. Um, but I do, you know, I'm, I'm secretly pinching myself the whole time. Um, cause again, just, just, just such a, a nice, warm guy who's done it all in show business and zero ego. See, and that's what I really, I've actually listened to a lot of people, even if I'm not familiar with the music itself, I've listened to a lot of interviews with heavy metal bands and for the production and the production value that they put on. All of these men are so humble and there's no ego. It is like one of the most like touching, amazing things. So I can completely relate to what you're talking about. So that is in the sense of that, seeing that humble and that, you know, that kindness. So thank you for sharing that as well too. Uh, what I will to ask you, we always say this at the end of our episode, uh, you've been talking about comedy and how you've been pursuing it. What casual advice would you maybe either give to an up and coming comedian? Cause a lot of people that listen to this podcast are in comedy or have an interest in it, or maybe advice you would have given yourself starting out that you know now. Uh, well, I get, well, something that's very current that I would tell, you know, young comics is, um, uh, don't do comedy in front of Will Smith. Um, <laughs> it'll come out this week. So it'll be time relevant. <laughs> yeah. Episode. Uh, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you what I, 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 that I tell young comics who, who ask me for advice. And I, and this is how I preface it. I go, I know you're going to think that I'm blowing you off by giving you these three pieces of advice, but I, but trust me on this. Here they are. Here, here, you can work in this business forever. I am not a household name by any means, and I've done lots and lots of great stuff in my career, uh, but I'm not a household name. I'm not, I don't have FU money, but if you follow these three things, you could work in this business forever, okay? Number one, uh, be nice. When you go and you play it, when you go to play a gig somewhere, just be nice to people. That's all. Very basic, right? Number two, do your time. Don't go f f 15 minutes over. Don't go 15 minutes under. Don't go two minutes over. Don't go two minutes under. Do your time professionally. And number three, don't steal material. And th those things seem so easy to do. Like people go, if, if that's all it takes, I can, because I, I, I'm not giving anyone direction on material because we all do our own thing. My point of view is going to be different than your point of view. It's going to be different from Molly's point of view, you know, because we're all going to talk about the same six things anyway. It just depends on which direction you come from. But I don't even get into that with comics because you got to find your own point of view when you do comedy, but you'd be amazed how, how few comics can do those three things. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Especially I'm just like, oh my gosh, you would think it's just the easiest stuff can be the hardest sometimes, but that's a great breakdown. That was one of my favorite answers. I love it. <laughs> uh, Don, this has been, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I learned a lot. I was very candid in saying I didn't know a lot about heavy metal beforehand, just the interviews I listened to, but now I felt like this was an education for me. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, did you want to plug your 
your show with uh, Jim one more time at the wine bar and then maybe where we can find you on your website and social media to learn all about Don Jameson. <laughs> Yes, and thank you for the, uh, the nice words. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun, and thank you to Key as well for uh, getting me in the right position for this. And, uh, yeah, Setco, Jim Florentine, and myself um, uh, will be in Nashville, Tennessee, just outside of downtown at uh, Wine Down Nashville. Um, like I said, great little, great little wine spot and um, with a performance area. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Please come down, windownnashville.com. And then, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Don Jameson Official, so come find me there. Perfect. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you again to anybody listening and watching for tuning in. Just make sure that you casually subscribe to at the Casually Molly podcast. Um, you can also follow my personal page at Molly Ambergie. Uh, that's Molly with an IE and then it'll pop up for you. And then also click that subscribe button on YouTube. We've been, it's a newer page. We've been getting views. And thank you again to everybody for killing it at the audio listens. Very happy about that. Uh, what I always say at the end of our episode, after we do our replugs, uh, Don, now that we're done casually recording, what are you going to casually do now with the rest of your night? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> What's the scoop? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm going to, uh, what am I going to do? I, uh, uh, I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to work on some material actually. Okay. Yeah. I got yeah. some, I got, I got a few, I got a few, uh, little punchlines written down that, that need a little, uh, polishing off. So we're going to go do that. All right. Well, I'll leave you to it. Thanks again. And, uh, good luck with your shows. And if you're ever in St. Louis, just let me know. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, cool. Thank you. I didn't know you were based out of St. Louis. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you for a great hang. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. <laughs>